This is episode 35 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are The Cheapskate's Guide to Living Beneath Your Means and 20 Strategies and Tips for Creating a Rainwater Catchment System. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. All right, before I get started, uh, I'm only reading two articles today. Uh, they're, they're longer articles, and the reason I'm doing that is because I want to talk at the end um, uh, to share something that I'm kind of starting up and just kind of share a little bit of kind of what's on my heart and what's kind of on my on my mind. And um, I, I want to reserve that for the end. So if you'll just kind of bear with me, I want to let you know something that I'm kind of starting up. So we'll uh, go ahead and start the podcast or start the articles, and then we'll get to that uh, towards the end. So our first article comes to us from The Organic Prepper. And uh, again, that's Daisy over at The Organic Prepper. And the article is The Cheapskate's Guide to Living Beneath Your Means. I think this is important. I think this is something that we should be uh, really considering, uh, all of us who are in preparedness and um, uh, watching our finances in this season of where we are. So let's go ahead and get started here. While many people advocate living within your means, I don't think that's enough. I'm a proponent of living beneath your means. Within is great. It signifies a lack of debt and only spending what you can afford. But beneath is even better because it signifies that you have quite a bit left over for dealing with a rainy day. Living beneath your means may not sound like a whole lot of fun. It sounds as though a person doing this is stuffing coffee cans full of dollar bills into spaces in the walls darning socks until they simply can't withstand another repair, and eating cold beans in a darkened room. In reality, it isn't like that at all. Learning to live beneath your means can bring you a kind of peace that you never felt before. It can help you survive financial crunches, both large and small. It can teach you to take joy in the simpler things instead of always looking for the next thing that will give you a surge of happiness. Some folks are always great at this. It may be elementary to you. Hang in there because there are graduate-level frugality ideas on the way. We're starting off with the fundamentals and we'll move on towards a high-level PhD thrift from there. Others have gotten themselves into a pickle and want to figure out a way to get out of it. Some have cut down to the bare bones and are still having trouble. If you are not making enough money to pay your bills, this article may help. And she links to another article there. But how do you go from a lifestyle in which every dime goes out to one in which there's money left over each month? Here are some tips to help you make the transition to a more peaceful financial lifestyle. Many of these tips will work even if you've already begun having financial problems. But a few are preventative measures that are geared towards making a lifestyle change when you aren't yet under the gun. Number one, assess your budget. The first thing you have to do is to get a clear picture of what money goes out each month. If you use a debt card for everything, this is incredibly easy. If you use cash or a combination, you'll need to spend at least a month taking notes of where your money is going. Print out your records for the past two to three months, then plug the numbers into a spreadsheet. This article has 10 different styles of budget spreadsheets that are free. Pick the one that looks like it will work best for you. 
Not the debt reduction one though. Save that for later. Once this is done, you'll have a clear picture of where your money is going. This can be a painful step, but it's essential. This article is a good one if your frugal living budget may have gone awry. Number two, calculate your fixed expenses. Your fixed expenses are the baseline of your budget. These are the expenditures that don't, for most people, change from month to month. They are bills like car payments, rent, mortgage, insurance, gym memberships, cell phone bills, cable, internet. You get the idea. You may not have all of these bills. Uh, if not, that's great. If so, you may want to make some adjustments. You need to know this magic number to set your budget. This number may not be final, as we'll discuss below, but it is important to know if you lost your job right this minute how much your output would be. Number three, what are your bad habits? Are you plugged in, I'm sorry, after you plug in your numbers and you can see them there in black and white, it's time for a grim dose of reality. What you're taking, what you're taking a look at first is those little random expenditures that siphon away money subtly. The $5 here and $10 there. You may discover that you spend $300 to $400 each month for a daily lunch out that didn't seem like much in individual increments, but when you add the daily $5 drive through coffees and an afternoon bottle of water ends up exceeding $500 a month. Half a thousand, lots of money. Maybe you smoke or drink alcohol outside the home on a regular basis. Do what you're going to do. I'm not here to tell you to stop smoking or drinking, but look at how much you're spending to do it. Maybe you buy a giant soda pop out every day for a, a couple of dollars. That adds up too. Nearly everyone discovers that they have at least one bad spending habit in this part. Don't beat yourself up. Just fix it. Imagine what your life would be like with the money you blow on cigarettes, drive through coffee, giant fountain sodas, and happy hour tucked away waiting to help you through an emergency. Unless you give up some of your bad spending habits and replace them with something more fiscally responsible, it's going to be tough to live beneath your means. Number four, start slashing. Now, it's time to start slashing those expenditures like Jack the Ripper on a foggy London night. Getting rid of those bad habits is probably one of the easiest ways to cut spending. Find a substitute that costs less. This can, this can be a process. Not everything has to be cold turkey, especially if you aren't in a bind. If times are tight, though, you may want to be more relentless and immediate in your cost cutting. drive through coffee. Get a thermos and doctor up your coffee at home, just how you like it, with the perfect amount of cream and sugar. I have this one, which can be purchased for about the cost of a week of drive through coffees. Like flavored coffees, check out this list of 25 flavored creamers you can easily make at home. Lunches out. If lunch out with your office mates is something you do every day and you're completely unwilling to give it up, you can work on cutting the cost. Take a morning and afternoon snack to the office and get something small at lunch instead of a full meal. Drink water instead of buying a soda pop or a tea. Split a meal with a like-minded colleague. Sometimes it causes fewer questions to just say you're cutting back. You know you mean money, but they think you mean calories. Generally speaking, the portions at restaurants are a bit more than we need anyway, so try just going with a side salad or an appetizer. Bring your lunch. It's even better if you brown bag it instead of going out for a more frugal lunch. When I worked outside the home, I packed up leftovers every night into a container I could take to work the following day. 
Then all I had to do was grab and go in the morning. Bonus, what you bring from home is probably going to be far healthier than what you're getting at a restaurant. If you like to read, bring a book to eat and use your lunch break at some much-needed quiet time. Smoking. If you're a smoker, you already know it's a terrible habit. I'm not here to tell you that you must stop immediately. That's your business. But look at how much money you're spending. At the very least, consider cutting back. If you are a pack-a-day smoker, cut down first to six packs per week. Put the money for that extra pack into a jar because the visual can be very inspiring. The more you reduce the amount you smoke, the more money you'll save. And maybe one of these days it will be enough to inspire you to quit altogether. Drinking. If you drink alcohol, you probably know that going out and indulging at a bar is about a million times more expensive than doing so at home. Consider limiting this to special occasions or once a week if you go out often. Water. Do Do you buy a bottle of water every time you walk into the gas station or into a store? Do you hit the vending machine at work to buy one? If so, you know that you could buy an entire case of bottled water for the cost of two to three individual ones. Stash cases of water in your car and in your office to quench your thirst. Pick up a small water cooler from your office if you like cold, uh, cold beverages. After the initial investment, it will cost you pennies compared to what you spent before. And from a prepper point of view, you can't go wrong with having extra water stashed. These are just a few ideas. Your bad spending habits could be totally different. Use these as inspiration for cutting your own bad habit spending. Can you cut any of your fixed expenses? This is where you can really make a huge difference in your budget. Can any of your fixed expenses be reduced? Maybe your mortgage or car payment can be refinanced at a lower interest rate to get you a better payment. Maybe you need to move to a less expensive home or area. Maybe you need to get a car that you can pay cash for. Perhaps your insurance costs could be lower with a different company. Do you actually need cable? Maybe you could switch to Netflix for the annual cost of the month of cable. This article has more in-depth ideas for reducing your fixed expenditures. Number six, get rid of debt. One of the best ways to live within your means is to purchase things when you have the money to do so, not when you have a handy payment plan. Many of us already have a heavy debt load. If you have to borrow money to get something, you cannot afford that thing. My dad told me that you should always pay cash for everything, but if you can't, the only thing you should ever borrow money for are cars and homes and then pay them off as fast as you can. NerdWallet reported that in 2016, the average American family owed $16,748 in credit card debt. The scariest part of that is that most credit cards carry whopping interest rates of more than 20%. Here's the random rundown. Here's the rundown on other debt via Ned Nerd Wallet. Ouch! And so there's a graphic here that talks about um, uh, the rundown of debt. It's a total owned. There's, so there's two columns: total owned by average U.S. households carrying this type of debt, and then total debt owed by U.S. consumers. And so uh, it's quite telling those big numbers there. Uh, definitely, you want to go check that out. Get rid of that debt now. With all of that, all of the cuts you made above, you need to start paying off your debt. The best way to do this is with the snowball method, made famous by Dave Ramsey in his best-selling book, The Total Money Makeover. I've used this me- method myself, and it works like crazy. Here's a quick summary of how to use the snowball method to pay off your debt quickly. Again, Daisy has tons of links in this article that you want to go check out. 
Once you do these things, you'll be much closer to living beneath your means. When you can reduce your expenses enough that you have money at the end of the month instead of month at the end of the money, you are living beneath your means. After performing these steps, you may have discovered a little bit of money that you could free up or you may have discovered a lot. That extra money could be enough to change your life and help you weather the storm on the horizon. This week, take a look at the steps listed above. Apply them right away and see how much you can save. That will get you ready for the next leap towards financial comfort. This seems like a great idea for a series, right? When I asked the community on Facebook what they wanted to read about, an overwhelming number of people are looking for ways to reduce their cost of living and get prepared for an uncertain financial future. Making a lifestyle change like this is a huge undertaking, so I wanted to break it up into a series of shorter articles to make it more approachable. Who knows, maybe this should be the basis of the next book. Please note that when I use the word cheapskate, that I mean it in the best possible way. I still tip generously, give to charity, and am honest and fair in my business dealings. But when I can skate by the huge expenditures that many people make and figure out a frugal, thrifty way to do things, it makes me happy. Cheapskate is an awesome word when you look at it that way. Embrace it. And don't get mad about me using the word. If that kind of thing upsets you, hang on to your tiara because I'll be using it often to put my own spin on things. If you have questions about getting into the cheapskate groove, post them in the comments section below. I'll try to address them in upcoming articles. I want to write about the things that you want to read, and I want to help you with the issues that concern you most. Don't be shy. Let me know. I think Daisy is on to a very uh, important topic, and I'm glad that she's doing this series. I'm sure that I'll be reading more uh, about this uh, this topic and reading more of her articles um, because I think it is a, a important thing. When you have debt, it it totally. It, it, when you have debt, and then you're you feel that crunch. You you're at a job that you know people are losing you know losing their jobs, and you might be next, and it creates stress. Man, that that's not the best place to be in. And so uh, you want to be as debt-free as possible. You want to live beneath your means. And some of the ideas that she gave are really great. Let me just give you an example. You know, my middle son is starting to drive, and I had to put him on insurance, and I was, re I was not looking forward to this at all. And so I called up my insurance agent, and, you know, he did some things. He called me up, and he said, hey, uh, good news. Um, so, you know, you qualify for this extra, you know, discount and this extra discount is going to actually adding your son is going to actually, uh, even save you money. So I got a discount and I wound up saving money at the same time. So I don't know how long I, I was up for that discount. So I might've just qualified for it. it I might've qualified for it about a year ago, right? But it saved a lot of money. Because I was expecting it to go through the roof. And so you know, something simple as that, calling your insurance agent and says, hey, look, I, I'm interested in trying to cut costs. Is there anything that we can do? Can you look and see if I'm open to or I'm available for any discounts? And you, you, know, you might not know what you, you get. I mean, you might get this great break uh, in, your, in your insurance. Or, you know, calling your, sometimes calling the cable company and just saying, hey, look, I want to downsize a little bit or, or you know, uh, things like that. There's so many things that you can do, uh, and I think that as we continue on, I think we're going to feel the financial crunch in this, in this country. I think people are going to be wanting to know how to be frugal. People are going to want to know how to cut costs. People are going to want to know how they can save money, how they can get by on less, because I believe that that's coming. I believe, and we talked about this a little bit with 
Uh, Gay brought that up in her uh, Gay Levy in in uh, on the Wednesday podcast when we when I interviewed them on that written interview. And you, if you didn't listen to that one, you want to go listen to it because uh, you also get the link to the free book. And you want to get that 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 book. It's a it's a great great book and it's free right now. But she talked about that slow spiral, and I believe that. That's what I've been telling people as well. We're headed for that slow spiral. Everyone who's waiting for the hammer to drop, I mean, how many times has the hammer supposedly or was supposed to drop already, and it hasn't, right? And so everyone is like, I was reading, I was reading a, a, a Facebook post today, actually on Michael Snyder's uh, uh, Facebook page. Uh, you know, the, Michael Snyder, who writes the, the Economic Collapse blog, and uh, a woman was kind of upset because she has been telling her, her friends to prepare and to store food and stuff, and nothing's happened. And so uh, she's like, hey, do, do you still believe that something's going to happen? And uh, so I was really glad, you know, Michael and, and Michael's wife were, were responding to it as, as well. And they were coming from a, you know, from a spiritual, biblical, prof- prophetic point of view as well but uh you know everyone's kind of waiting for that you know it's coming around the corner it's going to happen the, the election here that this is and you and and when i post articles like that on on prepper website those are popular i mean people want to hear about that they want to know what's coming all that kind of stuff i believe we're going to be we're going to head towards a more spiral downward just go just go to the grocery store and and make your purchase and think about how much uh, you used to be able to get when you made your purchase, and now you you go and you spend money, and you come out with two bags, and you spend a hundred dollars, right? Or you think about the packages, and the packages are the same price, but they're smaller, right? And and so uh, you have that happening, and so that's going to affect budgets. So I I really like that. I I do like that she pointed out Dave Ramsey's. Uh, total money makeover. Uh, we did teach that at the church. We taught the Financial Peace University, the the first uh, version of that, I guess. I don't know if they still do that or not. Uh, and uh, we, that was very popular. I am a believer in paying for cash, or at least when you're trying to get out of debt, using cash and having envelopes and putting those in place. And when you when you finish that, the money that's in that envelope for that particular category, you don't go do anything. I mean, you don't borrow. I mean, you can move money around from another envelope. But you don't go take money out of the bank, and so that will definitely help you as well. So I've gone long on that, but this is this is a um, this, this is a topic that is close to my heart because I believe that the financial situation. I know people are out there that are hurting. I know people that are out there that are like, man, I I, I have too much you know uh, month at the end of my money. You know, I I need a little bit of help here, and so I know that this is going to be important as we move forward to the future. So hopefully you go take a, a look at this article and then we'll check out the, the upcoming articles. And then she's got a lot of links to a lot of great information there that you'll want to go check out. All right. So moving right along, we are going to read another article from Backdoor Survival. Gay Levy has this um, this article and, and uh, I, I know that I've read one on rain catchment here recently, but this goes into a lot more details. and gives you a little bit more ideas. And so I think this is important. I think that this is something everyone should have. Everybody can have. And I don't see or it, there are some states that don't um, um, that, that don't look favorably at this. But I do believe that this is something everybody should put into place. So 20 strategies and tips for creating a rainwater catchment system. Let's go ahead and move forward on this one. Living in the desert has taught me not to take water for granted. Unlike the Pacific Northwest, I am not footsteps away from streams, ponds, or a vast sea just waiting for me to collect and purify for personal use. 
In a continuing effort to educate our readers on the finer aspects of self-sufficiency, I have invited Dan Chiris to share the best strategies and tips for creating a rain catchment system that works. If Dan's name sounds familiar, it's because he is the author of two Prepper Book Festival titles, Survive in Style, The Prepper Guide to Living Comfortably Through Disasters, and Power from the Sun, A Practical Guide to Solar Electricity. Today, he is here with specifics on collecting rainwater, regardless of where you live. Again, links and article links here that you want to go check out. Let it rain, collecting rainwater from your roof to survive in style. In a crisis, rainwater can become one of a prepper's greatest allies. If you live in an area with as few as 30 inches or 12 centimeters of precipitation a year, you may be able to live entirely off water falling on the roof of your home. That is, you could collect enough water from precipitation to meet all of your needs for cooking, cleaning, bathing, flushing toilets, watering gardens, and supplying a few chickens and a goat or a cow if you use water efficiently. I've done it for many years. In drier climates, you may not be able to live off rainwater, but you could capture enough water to irrigate a vegetable garden and fruit trees and perhaps supply a few animals that provide the food you'll need to survive in style. Rainwater catchment systems are about as simple as they come. All you need is a roof, gutters, and downspouts, several rain barrels or a large tank cistern, and water filters and purifiers. Chances are you already you are already well on, their way, on the way to having a successful rainwater catchment system. If your house is equipped with gutters and downspouts and you've got a water filter like an MSR MiniWorks EX microfilter and water purification device like a SteriPen, all you, you'll need to do is to add a few rain barrels or a cistern connected to several downspouts to start collecting rainwater right now. I lived off-grid for 14 years in Colorado in the foothills of the Rockies and supplied all of my family's water with a rainwater catchment system during that time. Although we used water very efficiently, I was constantly amazed by the amount of water we were able to collect off of our roof. You will too. Um, there's a great picture here of a big 2,500-gallon uh, plastic tank that he has here. How much rainwater can I collect? To estimate the amount of rainwater you can capture from a rooftop, simply multiply the square footage of your home by the amount of precipitation in inches by 0.55. If your home is two stories, divide the total square footage by the number of stories. A 2,000 square foot or 190 square meter home in the Midwest, Midwest in an area that experiences 30 inches of annual precipitation could capture 33,000 gallons or 125,000 uh, liters of water, 125, liters of water uh, per year. That's about 90 gallons or 230 liters of water per day. In most conventional homes, that's only enough water for one person. If used judiciously, however, that 90 gallons or 230 liters per day could meet all of your, your and your family's needs. Judiciously is another way of saying you will need to use water very efficiently. Here are some tips to create a successful rainwater catchment system. Number one. I'm not going to do the numbers, sorry. There's, I think there's 20 of them, so just bear with me. Check with local authorities to be sure that rainwater catchment systems are legal in your state. Some western states like Colorado prohibit rainwater collection, although I've known a few rebellious individuals who have installed them anyway, flying successfully under the radar. I can't recommend that strategy for legal reasons, but doubt anyone's going to care if they're capturing rainwater to survive, even in normal times. Illegal rainwater catchment is not a high-priority crime. I just got to tell you, that's just the stupidest thing in the world, but I don't want to go off on that tangent. 
All right, remember you can collect rainwater off your home, but also off roofs of other buildings such as garage, garages, carports, sheds, and chicken coops. Doing so will greatly increase your supply of water. The cleaner the roof, the better. Metal and tile roofs produce cleaner water than asphalt shingle roofs. The cleaner the water, the less filtering and purification you'll need to render the water drinkable. Bear in mind, however, if you're going to simply use rainwater to irrigate gardens, fruit trees, and berry patches, or supply a few chickens and a cow or goat, the water won't need to be as clean up front. If your home is surrounded by deciduous trees, install leaf guards on your gutters. At the, very le- at the very least, install a leaf screen on your downspout. Leaves clog up gutters, but more importantly, decaying leaves in gutters produce organic compounds that contaminate water supplies. They probably won't kill you, but they may turn the water brown. For best results, install a roof washer. This is a rather simple device that diverts a small amount of water, initially flowing off of a roof during a rainstorm, away from your cistern or rain barrel. This, in turn, prevents dirt and bird droppings, if any, from contaminating your drinking water supply. See the website I cited below to learn more about roof washers. And that's actually, I'm going to have to send that link to my dad because that's something that we're uh, looking to do up in the country. If you live in a warm climate, rain barrels and cisterns can be installed above ground. Be sure to install tanks with opaque walls, not clear or translucent. If possible, install them in shady locations to keep the water cooler and protect the tank from UV radiation. Tanks with transparent or translucent walls allow sunlight to penetrate. Sunlight, in turn, supports algae that will contaminate your water. If you live in colder climates and want to collect water from snow melting off your roof, be sure to bury your cistern below the frost line or place it indoors, for example, in a basement. Only bury water tanks rated for underground burial. If you are planning on drinking water from your system, it's a good idea to install a tank rated for potable water, although a high-quality filter that removes organic chemicals may be all you need. If you are going to be using the water for cleaning, watering plants, and supplying animals, a clean plastic tank will generally suffice. If you purchased used tanks, be sure that they have never been used to store toxic chemicals such as herbicides or insecticides or natural oils like vitamin E. The latter are very difficult to clean initially. Rainwater can be emptied directly into open barrels from gutters cut off just above the rain barrel or can be filled by rain water diverters that are installed in gutters. Um, let me see. So there's a picture here and uh, the caption says, it ain't pretty, but this simple two-tub system collects rainwater off one of our outbuildings to help water our cattle. All right. So I mean, they're using all available rain catchment uh, areas there. All right, continuing on. Be sure to place a fine mesh screen o- over open area I'm sorry, over open rain barrels to keep mosquitoes and other critters out. They'll lay eggs in standing water. Mosquitoes are also potential carriers of some microorganisms that result in fatal diseases such as malaria in tropical and semi-tropical climates. They're also known to spread the West Nile virus in temperature climates. Least in temperate climates, I'm sorry. Least we forget, they're also a nuisance for those who like to sit outdoors at night. A screen top will also prevent birds and mice from gaining access and drowning, then rotting in your water supply. Place a rain barrel on cement blocks and install a spigot so you can easily remove water from the tank with a garden hose or a bucket. Remember, two or more rain barrels can be daisy-chained or plumbed together to increase the amount of water you collect. 
If you install an underground cistern or an above-ground barrel or tank, be sure to equip it with an overflow. A safe outlet that will carry excess water away from the tank should should it top off in a rainstorm. Be sure that the drain at least be sure that be sure the drains at least six to ten feet away from your foundation. If you draw water out of a cistern with an electric pump, be sure the inlet to the pump is six inches or so off the bottom of the tank so it won't suck up any sediment. Drain rain barrels and cisterns every two or every year or two and clean them to remove sediment or organic residue that may have collected on the bottom of the tank or organic matter such as algae attached to the walls. Purify water intended for human consumption. For example, water in which you cook, food, or water you drink. Because rainwater collected off most roofs tends to be pretty clear, free of sediment or suspended solids, you may not need to filter it or it'll require very little filtering. Do purify all potable water to eliminate potential parasites and microbes. And just, uh, I, will, I want to add, if you are on one of those asphalt roofs or a roof with shingles, I mean, you really need to you know, make sure that you are filtering that. Uh, you don't want any of that stuff in your drinking water. Although, you know, the, the stuff that comes off, the asphalt, whatever, tends to you know, go down to the bottom of any, any barrel or any catchment that's there. Or even it sits in your, in your gutters, but you still don't want that. So something to consider there. After you have set up your rainwater catchment system, have the water tested for a wide range of contaminants, especially if you live in or near a polluted city. Purchase filters and purifiers and try them out. Have the water tested again to determine how clean the water is. Start learning many ways to use water more efficiently. You can learn more about them in my new book, Survive in Style, How to Live Comfortably Through Disasters. All right, here. Um, have some additional resources. And then the final word from Gay. Rainwater catchment systems are perfect for those who want to stay put or for those who have a safe place to escape to in times of crisis but lack a water supply. Although you may have to use water very efficiently, for instance, by taking shorter or, or in less frequent showers, you'll be much better off if a short-term disaster morphs into a year-long nightmare than those who have simply stockpiled water. You can even use a rainwater catchment system in times of relative calm to reduce your dependence on well water or municipal water supplies. Get going now and set up a system as soon as you can. This will give you time to learn how much water you can collect and how the system works. It will also give you time to work out any bugs you'll need. You'll never regret this decision. So I totally agree with Gay. You do want to work out any any issues that you might have. Um, you know, sometimes people think that they'll start a rain barrel system and uh, they'll attach a long hose to it and the, the water pressure just isn't there. And so you might need to set that up and, and have some buckets or whatever where you're moving water around uh, just because the, the water pressure and, you know, it'll come out at the spigot, but it won't push through a hose. So something to definitely think about. But I think everybody should have um, some kind of rain catchment. Everybody should have water barrels in the back and, and be using them. So there you go. To finish out this uh, podcast, I, I did say that I wanted to share something that's been on my mind for a little bit, something that I've been working on. Um, you know, for the most part, we call ourselves preppers and we are preparing for, uh, you know, whatever happens in life. A lot of the times that looks like, you know, we've got food storage, we've got water storage, we've got all, all those kinds of things taken care of, uh, but we are looking towards an event that might wind up happening. And uh, really, 
where I've been going and where I've been heading is not so much being uh, that prepper, but starting to live a more self-reliant life, starting to um, look at um, the processes and the systems in my life. And so if there is a hiccup in one specific area, then I'm able to mitigate that. And that just boils down to being responsible. Uh, you know, when we talk about, when I talk about preparedness, I talk about that it's just common sense that uh, our grandparents, our great grandfathers, you know, parents, they, they did this and it was just common sense to them. They didn't have a 24 hour Walmart on every corner or anything like that. They, they were self-reliant. They relied, you know, they had, they were responsible. They knew that there wasn't going to be something else out there coming to save them. They were going to take care of themselves and they were going to take care of their family. And so I'm, I'm really looking towards them in my preparedness life and moving away from just, you know, that prepper term. Uh, although I'm not looking to change, you know, names of websites or anything like that. But I'm looking at, you know, how can I be more self-reliant? And, and that's the journey that I'm on right now. That's the journey that, I've, that I'm seeking to, to be on. And, and one of the things that I want to do is, because um, I, I know that there's probably other people out there as well that are starting to consider this and starting to, you know, ask the question, how can I be more self-reliant? How can I not depend on the government for this or the utilities for this or, or if, you know, if it does go away or if it, there is an interruption, how can I still continue on, continue on with a, a good quality of life? Uh, or, you know, even if it's out for a couple of hours, how can I mitigate to where my life doesn't feel, you know, that much of a hiccup? And so uh, I, I want to put something out there to the preparedness community. I want to invite you to, uh, to this journey where we all kind of learn and we all kind of grow from each other uh, to live a, a more self-reliant life, not just a, a preparedness lifestyle, but to, to be more self-reliant uh, and, and take responsibility for ourselves uh, in, in our life and in areas of our life. So one of the things that I've done is I've created a Facebook group um, I have the proper website page and, and that pretty much, you know, I send articles there and there's not a lot of engagement, which is fine. That's what it's for. It, it's out there just uh, to provide information. <clears throat> but <clears throat> but I'm looking for a group where I can engage with other people and other people can engage with me. Uh, I mean, you know, I I know some stuff, but there's a lot of people out there who know a lot of other stuff as well in preparedness and can help. And and that's what I've been all about with Prepper website and all my other websites. I'm really wanting to um, get information out there where people can learn and grow. And and as I move forward more into the self-reliant lifestyle and and you know at least my focus would be more on that uh, I, I want to invite you on this journey as well so I've created this Facebook group uh, it is a closed group you do have to ask uh, to, to join it but you know just as long as I you don't seem like someone who's going to spam or someone who's going to uh, you're a bot or anything like that I'm going to approve you and come in and, and, and join us on this journey where we can uh, start talking about being more self-reliant and look at the different processes and the systems uh, procedures in our life and, and how we can grow and, and learn from that.
And so uh, one of the easiest ways, I'm going to link to it on this episode, episode 35, but one of the other easy ways that you can get to it is just by going to this domain. So I purchased this domain and forwarded it to the Facebook group. It's amoreselfreliantlife.com, all put together, amoreselfreliantlife.com. So if you type that into a web browser, you'll go straight to the Facebook group and you can ask to join it and uh, to be a part of it. And, you know, if there's only 20 people that join it, fine. You know, we'll journey together and we will learn from each other and we will start, you know, putting things in, in place where we are living a self-reliant life. If there's a hundred people, if there's more, wh- whatever, you know, just where we are learning from each other and we are gaining knowledge from each other. And there's people out there that are, that have experiences and, and you know, you might be off grid or you, you might have lived off grid and you have some experiences that I don't. You know, I'm a guy, I'm a regular guy, I live out in the suburbs, Uh, you know, I don't have an AR-15 in every corner, I don't have a bunker in the backyard, I'm just a regular guy who's interested in living a more self-reliant life. And hopefully... Uh, you are too, and and I just uh, I welcome you to to join me on this journey of of doing that. And so as we move forward, I, I'm hoping to have more information and more things to to kind of put out there to kind of help us, uh, you know, to maybe to focus on certain areas at a time. Maybe we might look at food storage, or maybe we'll look at. Uh, you know, kind of like what we talked about with Daisy's article today, uh, where we're looking at our finances and maybe focusing on that. I think that's a big area in our lives. Uh, and so, you know, putting these things in place, looking at our lives and our systems and what we have in place and kind of, you know, putting putting some things together. So uh, I welcome you to come to Facebook and join me there. I will announce it on my Facebook page, on the Prepper website Facebook page. And, and if people want to join it from there, they're welcome to join it from there as well. But uh, you know, that's the goal. That's what I'm working on. That's what's uh, really interesting me and driving me right now, or at least these days, is uh, living a self-reliant life. So there you go, and I hope you join me on that journey. All right, so that's it for episode 35. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, don't forget if you haven't got that ebook, that free ebook from episode 33, go check that out. Uh, episode 33, and uh, go to Amazon and download that ebook from Gay Levy and George uh, Urin. That uh, it's just you know one of those freebies that is a lot of value, and so that's only going to be up for five days, and so um, you want to get it while while you can. Besides that, if you uh, are looking for more preparedness content, feel free to go over to PrepperWebsite.com. You know, there's a lot of articles that I haven't been able to cover and uh, a lot of things that if, if you're not going over there, you're missing and even more things on being frugal and stuff like that. So definitely want to go check that out uh, and, uh, you know, throughout the weekend as well uh, because we're uh, this is it for this week and we've got the weekend. Hopefully you can get out and you can uh, get into your gardens or you can get your garden prepared and, uh, you know, get those get those things going. All right. So if you get a chance, come by the website, drop me a line in the, in, you know, in the comments, connect with me uh, there or you connect with me on, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And, and the Facebook group page. I mean, you, you know, connect there as well. All right. So uh, with that, I want to wish you a great weekend. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.